0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in, welcome to homesteading and gardening in the suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and at this time of year most of us in the northern states are getting ready to start planting. I know lots of you in the southern states, your gardens are well underway and spring is definitely there already. Um, You guys are very much inspiring us who are just coming out of winter. So it's the last four weeks, for me here in Maine before gardening season is on. So I'm dusting off my overalls and we're going to take a little bit of a break from integrated pest management to run through some jobs on the homestead and garden. Now this weekend has seen a lot of Earth Day activities going on in many communities across America. Um, There's been things about repurposing or planting seeds, starting a garden, even taking a walk in the woods on a hiking trail. There's been lots and lots of activities, guided nature walks, foraging. All the way through to you know straight up seed swaps and um, for me i was at a seedling swap and um, i've also been using various containers to use as seed starting containers you know things like juice cartons um, all those boxes that had stock or broth in them um, making newspaper seedling pots right there's lots of things that you can do um to help cut the costs of gardening um, basically if it'll hold soil or a liquid it's basically getting seeds put in it at at my house anyway um so i'm I'm sorry honey but the uh the dining table is going to be unavailable for a few more weeks um because right now with it being about four weeks to go before the average last frost date at least on my homestead um it is time to start my squashes corn melons cucumbers sorghum quinoa basil bok choy lettuce oh and of course my sweet peas, which are one of my absolute favourite flowers. Um, my grandmother grew sweet peas, so I always get reminded of her garden when I grow them, so I am making um, a definite effort this year to grow more of them because sweet peas were one of those things that didn't grow very well for me in Utah. Um, I think it was the the heat and the climate that they struggled with, so I'm hoping here in New England they're going to be growing a lot better. So there's a lot to get started um, when it comes to seeds this month. Um, But also things like your tomatoes, peppers, or if you've got eggplant growing, those those crops that have a long season and take a long time to mature, those things are going to need transplanting into bigger containers. You want to be giving your seeds uh, or seedlings, sorry, more room to grow, um, especially whilst you're waiting for the risk of frost to pass. And um, it's also a really good time to feed your seedlings too, whilst you're transplanting them. And even as you're going and checking your plants, you know, making sure they've got adequate water and, you know, remembering to to feed your seedlings, because that's something I often forget. And when you kind of go to a seed swap and things, you can often see where you've got plants that have, you know, been fed versus those that have not. And by feeding them, I'm not meaning, you know, picking up, you know some chemical um, feeds or anything like that you know chemical fertilizers and things you know you can get ones that are unrelisted those that are suitable for organic farming and organic gardening and you know it it doesn't hurt to give those um, plants a little bit of a boost but also as you're transplanting it's a good opportunity to add a little bit of compost to your um, mix as you're putting them into a larger container Um, and it's good for your plants especially things like peppers and tomatoes Um, tomatoes you can plant deeper um, into the container so they're going to have more roots and you know when you're going to plant them outside anywhere you want to be planting tomatoes deeper into the soil so they're going to be able to grow a lot more roots they're going to be able to get deeper they're going to be able to get to the nutrients and they're going to have sturdier plants in doing so so that's kind of what's going on with the seedling front, um, but let's talk about out in the garden because it's time to prepare your garden beds if you haven't already. So you want to be clearing away any old plants from last year, hoeing any uh, weeds or pulling them out by hand because weeds are nature's you know, um, way of protecting the soil right weeds come up to cover that soil and stop it from being exposed to the wind and the rain and the other things that winter throws at our garden soil so weeds often come up very early in the garden they're opportunistic so the earlier that we can get things planted in our gardens, or at least cover our garden beds with mulch, um, you know, that's going to help reduce some of the weeds that come up from time to time. So we want to be clearing out any old plants that we've got, hoeing those those weeds, you know, pull them out by hand if that's what you're into. I know that there's some really troublesome weeds, right? I bindweed, crabgrass, mugwort, or some that come to um, to mind, right? And a lot of these weeds propagate by spreading either seeds so remember the the saying if you listen to the podcast quite a lot one year's seeding is seven years weeding right because plants generate a lot of seeds they like to propagate and weeds are no exception but for things like bindweed crabgrass and mugwort they also propagate um from little bits of the root that are left in the soil and they just kind of grow from there so it is a battle right i i've had to deal with bindweed in many a garden that i have had one in the uk ones here in the us my allotment like bindweed has just kind of followed me around wherever i've seen to um had to grow a garden and you know my homestead is no exception there's lots of different things in there um and now i have some other fun weeds that are very similar um, that I have to now contend with. So there's a few things that I do um, when I'm weeding these troublesome weeds. So I try and dig out and pull out as many of the roots as possible. Um, I don't put those into the, the compost. I will put them somewhere else like the general trash um, or I will, you know, drown them in a bucket of water um, for a few weeks, turn them into a um, you know, liquid fertilizer that I can then use later, um, or, you know, some people even burn those, those weeds, um, if burning is allowed where you live. Now, so I'm pulling out as much of these roots and stuff as possible, um, I then transplant a seedling into the area so if you've got a bigger transplant you know that can go out like that's why i like having lettuce or some of these hardy greens you know like kales and stuff like that um you know that are a decent size early in the season because as i've pulled out these troublesome weeds I'll put a plant in its place because it's much bigger, right? It's, it's a bigger size than what something growing from a little bit of root is because it's got to come up out of the soil, it's got to reach the soil surface. And then that's when things really, you know, take off like a rocket um, for the weed to grow. Now by planting something in that space, you're gonna be shading out that soil and hopefully you're gonna reduce the regermination of the weeds because you're shading out the light. You can also cover things with um, a thick layer of cardboard, right, and then a thick mulch on top. And certainly when I was doing garden beds at my last house, um, I would put a good two or three layers of cardboard. So like that's folded cardboard, Boxes, right? So you know you got a box, you flatten it out. That's one layer. Um, so I would put a good, you know, two or three of those down, really making sure to overlap them. And then I was putting at least six inches of wood chips on top um, to really kind of help block things out. And even then, you know, we'd still find a way, right? That they're, they're always going to find a way. Um, but if you can catch them early enough and you get them before they flower and before they definitely before they produce seeds um it will get a little bit easier each each year so i i don't mind weeding so much um i kind of like that you see the progress um as you're going through, um, you know, something that was once, you know, covered in weeds is now like, oh yeah, okay, I can I can see what I'm doing here now. This looks a lot better. Um, taking a photo often helps um, to kind of take a look back. And certainly on the Facebook group, I, I did that. And I had a picture of when we, bought the property um versus after you know taking down some of the weeds and we didn't have like fancy equipment when we started doing that we had a push mower that so we like hacked up um a bunch of you know long grass and stuff with a push mower on you know easily over an acre um which was crazy but then all of the tall weeds that we had Um, we had to take down with a a hedge trimmer, um, because apparently (laughs) that was one of the things that made it into, you know, the trucker into the car packed items was a hedge trimmer and, um, the lawnmower, so... I don't know why they did, but they did and I'm glad that they were because we were able to kind of, you know, take down a lot of those, those weeds and stuff that were there. But again, it's, you know, doing things, you know, a little at a time, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. And, you know, little by little, you will eventually get there. Now, if you have used green manures, um, because those are a great trick to get your soil covered early because green manures will... Um, sprout up in early spring, particularly those plants that are sown over winter, things like rye, um, they tend to grow up very early in the spring. And if you've listened to the podcast episode about green manures and using cover crops, the trick is to, you have to kill them off to be able to use the nutrients that are being captured, right? And to do that you're either going to be cutting them or you're going to be turning them under so digging them into the soil so that they're going to decompose into that garden bed and you need that to happen so it's going to be ready for your new veggie plants so you know you want to be making sure that you're doing that early enough so when it comes to you know this the frost has passed like all that risk is gone you've got all of these veggies and you need to get them out you know your garden bed is then ready to go you're not then having to wait a couple of extra weeks with your plants in containers even longer um to then you know be able to get those planted out so um if you are using green manures um you know check it check out your ca- calendar and um, when's your last frost day and are you going to have enough time to turn them under and uh, get them decomposing you typically want about two weeks before your um, expected planting date to be able to have you know them break down and be ready for your plants and um, to go into that garden bed now if your soil is workable i.e is is not frozen solid uh, then you can be sowing peas and carrots and you can be sowing them directly in the soil and because those tend to tolerate the cold pretty well and carrots especially need to be kept moist and can take up to three weeks to germinate i don't know about you but i often forget where i sown things um in the garden if i don't like take my garden journal out with me which is now covered in compost and soil um but if i don't write down like there and then what i did in in the garden like i'll i'll get but you can sow some radishes in the same area to help you remember where you sowed carrots and make a note in in your garden journal um but you know having good notes and you know sticking to a planting schedule is one of those things that i've learned as a gardener helps me keep on track and helps me remember this is where i'm planting x y and z so having a garden plan and having that list of yep these are the things that are going to need to be sown directly outside Um, so i have a tote of all of the veggies that are good to go and i kind of organize them based on timing so i've got things that are able to go out um, you know, four weeks before the last frost, then two weeks and then one week, and then at the time of the last frost, and then everything kind of after. So I'm able to kind of help myself keep on track and remember that, okay, I've already done these and put those back into, you know, the normal seed saving area where I keep my seeds in storage. And then, you know, I'm able just to keep successionally sowing all of the other crops as we go through the season. Now when it comes to peas, um, they need some trellis to grow against and twiggy sticks are a pretty traditional way to grow your peas. So if you're pruning anything out now, You know, I've got all sorts of things that I'm having to prune and tidy up. There's some old lilac bushes. um, There's some pruning that we've got to do on some of the fruit trees. um, Because there's bits and pieces that are, you know, clearly rubbing against each other. And it's, you know, an entry point for disease. So anything that is um, particularly twiggy. And by that, I mean little bits of branches that have got like lots of little bits kind of sticking out. Right. They're, they're, got lots of little twigs on them that's why we call them twiggy um but they're great for little pea tendrils to grasp and climb up um and you know some people use hazel um other people use whatever brush they have been you know trimming back and it's kind of a cool way to you know reuse what you already have coming out of the garden um but basically all you do is you push these twiggy sticks into the ground and then you plant your peas along the sticks and um, these twiggy sticks are going to help your plants grow you, they're going to be giving them support to get them up off the ground and it also gives you a little bit of time to either find or make taller trellis um or netting for your peas if that's what you want to do but if you happen to have like twiggy sticks that are you know about a foot, two foot, maybe three feet tall. Peas don't tend to get overly tall unless you're growing, um, kind of the drying peas or the shelling pea varieties, which do tend to get pretty, pretty tall. Um, although I had some snow peas once that, probably about four feet and I can't remember the variety of them Um, but if, if in doubt you know you can always do a little bit of research to see how tall that they get often a lot of seed packets include that information in there on how tall your plant is going to get so you know you can have a look and see if you've got some you know twiggy sticks that are going to be big enough or if you've got kind of smaller ones that you can have at the bottom and then put in some slightly taller You know less twiggy more branchy kind of brush to put in um ahead of those twiggy sticks so the taller ones so as your plant becomes more established it's able to grasp onto those instead if you don't have any twiggy sticks or larger kind of branching pieces that you've pruned then you could always try driving in a couple of stakes um at the end of the row Uh, either end of the row that you've planted your peas in and then um, tie some twine um, every couple of inches and then that's going to give your pea plant something to grasp off um, and grow up and along. So that's that's another way that you can do it too. Um, I've also seen people use chicken wire um, and various um, like netting like kind of stretched across Um, a couple of bamboo canes. There's, There's all sorts of things that you can do and repurpose to have your peas growing up. One of the other things that would be good for you to do this month on your homestead is to make plant labels. Now I already mentioned sometimes like I forget where I've planted things, especially if i don't have my garden journal with me out when i'm gardening um so making plant labels is kind of fun and i've seen ones that can be made from you know just kind of bigger branches right that people have sort of shaved off part of the bark and written on it what what the plant is um i've seen ones where people have used smaller sticks and tied on old mason jar lids right to mark out areas or plants and making garden you know markers or plant markers is a really great way to teach kids and adults even um, what plants are especially if they're new to gardening right i've got family members who don't know the difference between a cabbage and a kale or the carrots from the fennel for example or beets from the chard um I like to make, you know, wooden uh, plant stakes and I like to burn the variety on them. Um, I do a lot of plant trials, so I'm more interested in the varieties and keeping track of how those are performing versus this is a row of peas or that's a row of carrots for example Um, but i still like to mark the general plant type on a row so my family knows what they're looking for if i send them out to go bring in swiss chard and spinach for dinner like i want to make sure that they're bringing in swiss chard and spinach and not tomato leaves for example um you know, so there's lots of different ways that you can mark your plants. And I would love to see some examples of how you like to mark your plants in your garden over on the Facebook group. So if you have some fun ways to mark your plants or your varieties, then, you know, snap a picture and share it on the facebook group i would love to see what you've got going on and i know other gardeners would love to see them too um whilst out and about um over certainly over the last couple of weeks and um probably also into may as well um i'm seeing like a number of local farms giving away manure so if you're wanting some for your compost and garden you know get out into the local countryside and see what's available and um, you can also use tools like asking on local community groups on Facebook for example about local sources of um, wood chips or compost or manure or whatever and also check out the local classifieds too Um, if there's like a local marketplace and stuff um, you know online then those are some good opportunities to see what's available and get things kind of cheap for your homestead and garden now Also around the homestead, it's a really good time to check on fencing and animal housing, do repairs before planting season gets underway, right? Sometimes over winter, weird and wonderful things happen, leaks happen, you know, damage happens with snow, you know. Things, things happen, right, um, but getting them tackled earlier in the season is going to be a lot better than you trying to do it as, um, you know, all the other things start to happen on the homestead, right. Once things start to be ready and getting harvested out of the garden, things start to get pretty, pretty busy. Um, right now of course it's also the beginning of yard sales and there's often some really great items that you can pick up and repurpose um like into animal housing for example i saw an old dresser that somebody had turned into a rabbit hut which was really really cool um we've got metal roofing on an old barn that's being demolished right and that might be get turned into a pig pen or I might turn it into a compost bin or something or it might become roofing on a chicken tractor I'm not entirely sure yet um but also you might see things like windows and doors um being sold at a yard sale for you know a crazy price on them um but you know if you come across things like old windows and doors you can convert them into a greenhouse or a cold frame to help harden off your seedlings before they get planted outside because remember you need to acclimate your seedlings from you know life out or from life indoors to life outdoors in your garden right that helps um reduce transplant shock and it helps them do a lot better when and they get put out into your garden. Also, if you happen across any old CDs um, whilst doing spring cleaning or out at a thrift store or a yard sale, um, old CDs hung on string and dangled around the vegetable garden um, can help um deter deer and birds although as i found out at the seedling exchange the other day they're also using pinwheels um or those kind of windmills that you would get at the seaside um if you're over in the uk um those can also help deter deer and birds if you pop them sporadically in the garden and around the garden um, and of course you could always try making a scarecrow I know in the UK there's lots of villages with annual scarecrow festivals that go on in the summer um, I think any scarecrow I would make would look like it belonged in a horror movie um but I can see there's a lot of advantage in using them rather than using some of the other methods of, um, you know, pest control to kind of keep things out of the garden. So I would love to hear from you. What are you doing in your garden or on the homestead? Let me know over in the Facebook group. And Until next time, I hope your garden grows beautifully and I will see you all next week.